Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Addie. Welcome to this week's episode of Club Dead. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the ride with us so far. Um, and, and if you haven't. I mean, it's it's like True Blood. This episode's going to be better than the last two. Yes, because it's not a filler episode for it's, once. It's not a filler episode. We have just been giggling about what happens in this episode we are, we are we're just coming off it we were literally i was like literally just saying like we just need to get into it because that we way i can be it. like we can be recording the bands but this My episode eyes. this episode is so good i am yes it's 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 just like it's just so funny it's <laughs> well 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 if it isn't the consequences of my actions <laughs> Rearing its ugly head. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so, I don't think we've even got any any pre-episode things to go over this week. No. I think we can just kind of get right in. Yeah. I, I've i got, I'm so excited for this episode. That's my pre-episode note. That's that's your pre-episode, Bance, is I am so excited for this episode. Keen, Keeny beans. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, let me just open it up. So this episode is season one, episode four, Escape from Dragon House. Yes. Suki goes to a vampire club to look for evidence to clear her brother's name. Woo! Because if we remember from last episode, um... Sam called Suki on her day off while she was masturbating on the front of Bill's house on the steps in a very uncomfortable position. Yeah, um, my back. Ow. And yeah, right. My neck. My, my back. back. <laughs> um, <laughs> this episode's going to be unhinged. Um, Sam interrupts. Sam interrupts Suki and is like, "Can you go check on Dawn? I know it's your day off." And when Suki goes to find Dawn, she finds Dawn dead in bed. Yeah. And it opens it opens up with some terrible this this episode opens with Anna Paquin's Oscar winning performance. (laughs) Is the only way I can describe it. It's it's Oscar winning. She's like screams and then she's like, Oh, somebody please help. And I'm like, bitch. (laughs) You you've just found somebody you consider a friend and dead, and you are ever so casual about it. So casual. It's such like it's such an underwhelming reaction to somebody being dead in like finding a dead body. <laughs> and then she says, "Sweetie, what did you get yourself into?" Yeah, which like obviously uh, she's dead. Something not good. <laughs> yeah, like she's about to get herself into a grave. Like, let's. <laughs> yeah. So which... this... <laughs> <laughs> that just reminds me of the scene with the coroner. Oh, I have so many. I have notes. That just, oh, God, I'm already crying. <laughs> this episode is actually hilarious. So the scene opens with Suki finding Dawn, screaming, acting beautifully, and then she's like, sweetie, what did you get yourself into? And then it cuts to Jason. Well, it cuts to a, a, a bottle breaking because Jason has just arrived. Yeah, he just stumbles in with some flowers. And a bottle of wine. <laughs> and he's like, holy shit. And they're panicking. And then the next door neighbor comes over. She's just, just like, oh, hey. Well, Suki did casually ask she for did. help. So okay. a neighbor kind of meandered on over. Um, <laughs> Miss Miss Lefrebe? Miss Lefray? Lefeve? Something like that. It's L E F E B V R E. Yeah, I don't know. Miss Ms. L um, is like, 
talking about like she she like is looking at dawn and she kind of like looks at all the broken glass on the ground and all this kind of stuff and then she turns around and just stares at jason and is like what did you do and i'm like you yeah. know what not an entirely inappropriate question yeah and the thing is uh the neighbor mentions that jason had been over the night before yeah and Suki kind of looks at jason like i'm so fucking down with your shit well, it's because, like, the next-door neighbour is like, she was taking shots at you. And Suki's like, what? This woman was firing a gun at you and you come back to apologise. You dumb bitch. Get out. You goddamn himbo. <laughs> oh, my God, he is the himbo of this show. He is such a himbo. And he's like, ah, oh, it's – and, like, he says later, he's – so, like, they, they call the police and everybody comes in and then we've got some – some thoughts. There are people having thoughts. But Jason sort of is like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What am I going to do? I'm too pretty for prison. And I'm like, sweetie. I love that he's kind of sitting outside like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, he walks outside and <laughs> he's like. All the women are dead. All the women <laughs> I've slept with are dead. So what I'm learning is don't sleep with Jason Stackhouse. That is the moral of this story. Jason, <laughs> That's the moral of true blood. Don't sleep with Jason Stackhouse. I've written, I was like, um, so these women have been murdered and, you know, he's obviously got some cogs ticking and I'm like, do you think he's thinking about how he's implicated it? And then I was like, nah, he's a fucking idiot. He's got no idea. No, see, he totally, he's totally thinking about how it looks. He's just trying to figure out how to get the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, shit. So... The next scene is that the coroner is there and the police are there and the community around Dawn's house have come out. So it's um, Renee and Arlene. Arlene, that's right. And then it's Hoyt Fortenberry and Maxine Fortenberry. Who is me? I am Maxine Fortenberry. I love Maxine Fortenberry. I am so like, fucking nosy. I'd be, I'd be her too, right? And because she, she's like, oh, to be a fly on the wall. Well, and I'm that like, place. that is me all the time. Uh, <laughs> but like, they're, so they're like talking about it, and um, uh, Arlene says maybe it was just her time, and Renee says, mm. nah, it ain't her time. I don't know no twenty three year old whose time it was, and it's like that's the thing. Like everybody in this series, like. Back when we were watching it, we were like eighteen or whatever. Mm. But like watching it now, these are these are twenty three year olds, and like not that Suki's much older. No, Suki's twenty five, and I think Jason's Jason's only a little bit older than Suki as well. Yeah. So like, they're not old people. So when like a town as small as this, and as Renee says, we're too small of a town to be losing women like this. Yeah, <laughs> um, it does really kind of bring the. It's not necessarily bringing the community together, but it brings everybody out. Yeah, because everybody wants to know what's going on. Everyone's worried, except like Arlene. Except, is... except for Maxine. <laughs> except for Maxine. Who's She's like, who's, rub- who's dead? Who's running, rubbing sunscreen on her son? <laughs> no, he turns around and goes, Mama, I will move out. And she's like, no, you fucking won't. Get <laughs> no, down won't. here so I can get like, your neck with the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. I lo- oh, It's kind of funny, but I actually really started to love their codependency, even as bad as it is. It's, it's just funny. Such, it's such an incestuous, like Freudian <laughs> yeah. Oedipus relationship. Yeah. And Hoyt doesn't want it at all. Hoyt's He's like, like would you leave me the fuck alone? And Maxine's like, this is my boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've killed Cat. I'm dead. <laughs> but I love that it, it's so, uh, such a stereotype that all the neighbors are out gossiping about what's going on and yeah. um, speculating and whatnot. 
And so they're talking, they're talking about like how stubborn the summer is and stuff like that. They're sitting there watching this woman's house be investigated because she was murdered. Yeah. And Arlene's like, hey, Renee, do you want to go get like drinks and, <laughs> and bring out the cheese and get the doilies? And he's like, maybe they want doilies for. Maybe they want to put them on the car. <laughs> and then he's like, fine. <laughs> but then she said something that cracked me up. And she's like, if if all <laughs> arguments with men end with fine, why do they why bother? Do they bother <laughs> why, why do they bother putting up an argument? And I'm like, <laughs> Damn, she she's spitting truths. She is like that that maternal figure that you need, but also don't need because I've got some shit she's to say dr- about Arlene. She's the drunk aunt who shows up at the party. <laughs> oh god, that's me. But not drunk, <laughs> but drunk energy. Just, just just chaos energy. I like to call it woo energy. No, I'm that's fair. To stir everyone. Yeah, I'm 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 100 shit stirring energy. <laughs> So the next scene is Suki is being inv- Suki is being interrogated. Yeah. And she lets her guard down. And she's listening into the the voices or, or the inner thoughts of everybody. And yeah. there's some really interesting character development here. Um, especially with Andy. Yeah. I love Andy as a character. He's he's so funny and he's so interesting. Especially when it gets into like season two and he's like figuring out everything and nobody believes him. They just think he's crazy. <laughs> so he plays up crazy. It works but for so, him. Yeah, but it does. He's thinking about how nobody takes him seriously. And I think that really we see that a lot in his behavior throughout the season. Like we see that with his interrogation of Jason with Bud mm-hmm. Dearborn later in the episode that he's like trying to get people to take him seriously because he thinks everyone thinks he's a joke and yeah so he exudes he he tries to like exude this hyper aggressive and hyper masculine energy yeah and then like he's interviewing the neighbor again Ms. L and she's like oh that's fine she he's like no she's like talking about how Jason called um dawn a very bad word and it began with it began with b and she won't she won't bring herself to say it bless her socks um but i love that he writes bitch yeah bitch into gunshots um and then they're talking and the neighbor is like that's fine andy dear i'm glad i could be helpful and he just looks so defeated yeah because he's he is a person of authority in the community he is a he's a member of the police force and he's a, a, a detective and whether you know no matter what your thoughts on police are like that is a, a figure of authority that is generally like seen as respectful yeah um and so like I think it's really interesting that he exudes all of this energy because I think it's compensation for what everybody sees him as so like seeing yeah. him as this sort of weaker person or an infant because he still lives at home with his mother um, don't, I don't know if Mrs. Belfour is still alive. Or his grandmother. Uh, yeah. One of, one of the other. His she, sister. He, yeah. They mm. they still live in like the Belfour compound because they like they yeah. were the, the big family in Bon Temps like back in the day. Um, and I don't think, well, I think he thinks that nobody takes him seriously because he hasn't moved into that next stage of life. Yeah. Despite the fact that he is a detective and he is interrogating, like he's investigating this murder and everybody's just treating him like a child. Yeah, it's because his sister, I don't know if she's a lawyer in the show, but in the book she's like this very um, intelligent lawyer and very well respected. And She is, but we don't find yeah. out until after the time skip, which is end of season three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes more involved in the show after that. Yeah. So, yeah. She's really, really interesting too. She's very funny. Yeah. 
So next we hear, next it sort of zooms into Mike Spencer addressing the body once it's dead. And Mike Spencer is thinking about the damn fine pair of perfect natural breasts that Dawn had. Gross. Um, and, like, his whole thought pro- process is disgusting. He's like, I would have put money that they were um, fake, like, well done, God. Um, well, not so much that now what you've done with her because it's kind of a waste. Ugh. And this You're is not coroner. Some- yeah, this is not something that you want the coroner to be talking about, right? No. Because then later when they're bringing Dawn's body out, um, they bump Dawn's body like because he's talking to the intern that he's got and the intern's trying to pick <laughs> her up because they don't have her on a gurney or anything like I that. Know. They're just carrying the, the body bag. But Mike says, um, don't worry about it. You don't need to be too careful. It won't hurt her. Yeah. And, again, like coming back to what we were talking about last week is that none of the women in this really have that much agency on their own. Yeah. It's either Sookie is mine or she's dead now so it doesn't Don't matter what happens it. to her. Yeah. We're just putting women in the closet like and not worrying about them. Yeah. And it's even like shows that level of respect once someone has died that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. And, like, this show is about life and death. Like yeah. you've got people who are alive and you've got vampires who are dead. Like they, there is a, a scene in this where they're talking about how vampires represent death. Um, and in this, the dead can talk for themselves. The dead can yeah. speak for themselves. Um, so I think it's really interesting that like he treats her so poorly when he's meant to sort of be this, not even like, it's going to sound really cliche, but like this guardian of death. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's not only the coroner, but he's also the town mortician and funeral home director. Yeah. The funeral and director. Like, Come on, man, have some respect. And I think that just plays to how, like, don't get me wrong, I love Mike Spencer's character because he's yeah. so repulsive and disgusting. He gets elaborated on a lot more through the end of this season and into the next season. And it's yeah. just like revealing more that he just, he doesn't give a shit. He is a really disgusting human being as far as like his opinions on women and how he mm. treats people and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of this juxtaposition between he's the town coroner and the town funeral director. He's also this really repulsive piece of shit. Yeah. But I feel like those kinds of people aren't necessarily attracted to those types of jobs. Like the uh, the first time I ever really met a mortician, I was with my ex-partner and it was his graduation day from university. And he did a forensic science degree. Mm-hmm. And one of his friends who was graduating that day as well um, ha- was leaving. Well, she had left and found a job as a mortician. Yeah. And she was just so warm and friendly and kind. And those, and even like another friend of mine, uh, Fetchbug, she is studying to be a mortician. And she is also one of those kinds of people. Like she's, they're not repulsive people no i think i think being involved in the end of someone's life like in death and trying to do that it very much appeals to people who have compassion they have warmth because they desire to help people yeah and we have done fucking i always said um bud dearborn we have mike spencer talking (laughs) about no we have we have we have mike spencer talking about her as if she didn't exist like she's just a pair of tits oh she's dead now who cares yeah exactly um, and then it cuts through to Jason, who is rightfully worried about when another oh, yeah. one of his partners shows up dead. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and yeah, his 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 thought process as Suki gets on is fuck, 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 fuck. What am I gonna fucking do? I'm too pretty for prison. They're not gonna let me out of this again. 
Yeah. And then like it's arrested. Yeah, he's in an embarrassing manner as well. Yeah, Andy just kind of like throws him into the car and whatnot. <laughs> now this is where the fun begins. <laughs> because Jason realizes he has a small vial of incredibly illegal vampire blood on him and he drinks the entire thing. After being previously warned that he should have a drop or two max, he <laughs> shots that thing. Oh my and like gosh. he shoves the bottles into the car seat. I'm like, why wouldn't why you, you just shove that? The, why would you you just shove the entire thing into the car seat? If you're gonna get rid of it, like if, yeah. now what you've done is just put your slobber all over it, your fingerprints, and now it's tucked into the back. You've proved now that it's yours. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't understand evidence, obviously. <laughs> um, so this will this will definitely not work out poorly for him at all. No. This is a this no. is an A plus strategy, um, <laughs> very well thought through, uh, and will not we will not see the repercussions of this action no. in like fifteen minutes. It's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. Totally fine. Um, so Sam arrives because he is actually the landlord of this group of units, mm-hmm. and he sits next to Suki and says that he's. You know, he he doesn't rightfully apologise, but he is the reason that she found him. So he does feel guilty for that. Yeah, and I can understand why, but I also think that it's not necessarily his job or Suki's job to go and check on her. But again, I think that speaks to how small the community is. Yeah, I just realised my head is like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all I was looking at was like (laughs) eyes and forehead. You're welcome, everyone. Um... (laughs) Um, yeah, so so I don't think it I don't think it's necessarily the responsibility of Sam or yeah. Suki to go and do that, but it speaks to the the, the closeness of the community, how small the community is, and yeah. also it kind of plays up that idea that no one is really safe right now. We have this vicious murderer out on the loose in a small community, and the the connection is being made that these women have been sleeping with vampires. So maybe someone yeah. like one who is very in touch with her sexuality, who is openly sexual may have had contact with vampires and we find that out like we know that she did have contact with vampires she probably wasn't broadcasting it to everybody no but we know (laughs) that she had contact yeah exactly and it's uh jason is the common denominator in all of this so it should be very concerning for him yeah exactly he is he is having some very interesting thoughts about what's going to happen in his future um and rightfully so like yeah even even if he was guilty, like you should be thinking, okay, cool, all right, I've now been found murdering my second person, but he's not, and the American justice system probably wouldn't care too much about that in two thousand five, two thousand eight. No, God no. The you only know, person got... who knows he's not guilty is Suki. See, and even she doesn't really believe him. Yeah, because she's kind of like, I've got to make sure he's innocent. <laughs> yeah, and she's she's doing it to prove her innocence and to be a good sister, but the overwhelming evidence is there that. Jason had had sex with these women and yeah. now they're winding up dead. Yeah. So, and it's never the ones you suspect. Hmm. What could possibly be going on? Dun-dun-dun. Mm. <laughs> or shadowing. <laughs> uh, so Sam asks if he should shut down the bar and Suki's like, no, all you'd be doing is denying people who need a good drink when they need it. Yep, so, fair. Can I understand that? I'm guessing that that, and like, just skipping ahead a bit, when you do see Merlot, Merlots later, there are people everywhere. Yeah, so. there are people, and they're all they're all having thoughts. They're all thinking. They're all thinking some oh, really ugly yeah. things. Um, this is my favorite scene 
Oh, this is like. Or maybe my, my equal favorite. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some. <laughs> we're getting we're getting into it, friends. So, um, Bud Dearborn and Andy Belfour are basically interrogating Jason at the at the police station. But I love before we see what's happening is Jason starts to get the sweats. Yeah, but they but they're like they've been talking they've been talking about how stubborn this summer is, and Jason gets thrown into the back of the yeah. police car, and he's like, you know, you could at least crack a window or give me some aircon or something like that. Like it's so so hot. Yeah. So it's kind of like okay, maybe he's just hot, and he's really nervous about being um, interrogated. But Andy's playing bad cop <laughs> yeah. so well, and he's like trying to frame Jason as this like perverted sex sex monster kind of thing (laughs) and he's like talking about how like jason gets off on murdering them and then having sex with them or is he having sex with them and then murdering them but you know what cracks me up is that jason jason turns around and is like maybe you do and bud dearborn laughs and and andy is just like could you fucking not like not in front not in front of the suspect (laughs) but this is another person undermining Andy yeah, Balfour. this is this is this yeah. is playing up the whole idea of undermining um, Andy's authority. And despite the yeah. fact that Sheriff Dearborn is his superior, he shouldn't be undermining Andy's authority in an no. interrogation at all. Like that just funny. makes every yeah, it's it. Oh, oh. Poor Andy, poor Andy. But while this is all going on, Jason's uh, distracted by his pants and crotch because he has a monster erection that like snakes down his leg. Ah, it looks so painful. It, it really does. does. Um, like, like so- this isn't this isn't just like a standard one. This score is like a good like third down the thigh from what they're playing <laughs> up. And the scene is so funny because it's just like watching his gene fill up with something. Yeah. Like it's like somebody's got a water balloon and they're just, just pumping it. That's probably what they did, but it just looks like somebody's like filling a water balloon <laughs> full of water, and it's oh my god. Oh, he looks so like confused and in pain because when he goes into the bathroom, he uh, he like so very carefully like, just undoes. Oh. And my, my note here is if, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of his actions. <laughs> I wrote, oh, my God, he has a massive boner. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about this scene and I was just like, oh, shit, I forgot about the boner. <laughs> We've been so desensitised to all the terrible sex yeah. in the last episode. <laughs> We're like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> Couple, look at that one. <laughs> So yeah, Jason Jason excuses himself. He's like, I gotta go pee. And he's like doubled over in pain yeah. because every blood cell in his body is just it's being directed penis. to his penis. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so like he gets in there and he's like undoing his pants. He can't even he, do that. He's in so much pain. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, so Andy and Bud are talking about how Bud shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> um, he's like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done that. And he's like, he. So this is what I find really interesting. Bud openly admits to Andy that he doesn't think Jason's done it. He yeah. doesn't think Jason's the guy. Um, and it's because of the vampire involvement. Like Bud, Bud is openly. I don't want to say racist, but he's openly disapproving of vampires. Yes. Like he doesn't like them. Let's say prejudice at this point. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. So Bud is like, okay, yes, Jason is a common denominator, but so are the vampires. And the vampires yeah. are more likely to have been aggressive than Jason is. Because yeah, Jason's, Jason's a golden retriever boyfriend. Yeah. 
He's got golden retriever energy. He really does. Um, so while Andy and Butter talking, Jason's still in the bathroom trying to deal Screaming. with to, I've called it Dick again. <laughs> Dick again. Um, and I've got well, Andy and Butter talking, Jason's still in the bathroom trying to deal with Dick again, and he's either dying or orgasming. I can't tell. It's a real it's one of those orgasms. I think he probably like ejaculated uh. blood. Oh, it's also not semen, just bodily it's, it's just, liquid it, that's not semen. Yeah, because, like, he gets up and he tries to go for paper towel and he's like, oh, yeah. fuck, there's no paper towel there. So he just gets, like, fistfuls of, of toilet paper. Toilet yeah. paper. Pulls his shirt up and he's, like, wiping down his abs. So the implication is that he's had an orgasm. Yeah. But it sounds like somebody tried to strangle a cat. Yeah, he's in a lot of pain. Mm. Poor thing. I would, <laughs> I don't know. It's too bad we've come up with a name for this one because otherwise we could have just gone there with it's Dick again. <laughs> we'll do a vote on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so while I love that they have to rush, they, they, they do the right thing because they can hear him screaming through the walls. What is going on? People in the next neighbourhood neighborhood heard Jason. And I love it. they're knocking on the door. Tara storms in. And, man, she knows her shit. Well, she explains it because she's, like, saying that, like, I imagine he's being Mirandaized, so he's been given his rights and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and Andy cracks this joke about, um, well, they don't need to now that she's here. Um, and she's like, is that funny because I'm a woman or is that funny because I'm a black woman? And he's like, I thought it was funny just because you know them words. <laughs> yeah. And then she's just like, uh, I, you know, like, School is just for white, white people, people who want to read to read, like who want to read to each other. I thought I'd just cut out the middleman and read to myself. Yeah, I loved that. I, I, like, I honestly, yeah. I honestly would want Tara defending me if I was <laughs> on the stand. She would be absolutely no nonsense. Yeah, because she's like, did you let him know he can have a lawyer? And they're like, mm, no, may, maybe, maybe we did that. <laughs> no. Oh. So she actually provides an alibi for Jason, saying that they've been dating. They, they, they had slept together and then she's like, how come, Andy Andy mentions like, how come like he doesn't seem to know this? And she brings up this really good point about interracial couples because vampires yeah. are sort of the the metaphor, they're the, the delivery system for race in this show. And she says this thing about like, you know, vampires might be the hot topic, but have you ever seen how anybody in this town looks at an interracial couple? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really poignant thing for her to say because she's clearly like being belittled by Andy and Bud for yeah, knowing all of this kind of stuff. Um, and now she's there being like, well, Jason and I have been sleeping together. Not that it's any of your business, but we're keeping it quiet because we don't want to get hate for it. Yeah, exactly. Despite the fact it's a bold place lie because she was with Sam last night. <laughs> she doesn't want anybody to know that either. <laughs> oh yeah. That's an issue that I feel so bad for Sam. Yeah. Um, so Sookie goes home to get changed because she decided she's going to work and yep. Gran actually asks her and begs her to listen in to people's thoughts to see if she can find out, you know, what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And because this is the second time Jason has been accused of murder in like a month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> rough, and rough month. She, um, she says, keep your ears out. And Sookie's <laughs> like, like it's got nothing to do with my ears. That's not how it works. <laughs> All right. But Suki, but nobody knows how it works. Suki doesn't know how it works. So. Very true. 
Um, So she goes off to work and she's listening to everyone's thoughts and they're saying some really horrible things about Dawn. Well, they're saying some really horrible things. There's a guy in this bar who's talking about how he's like vampires and white people and black people. Oh, yeah. And they drop it hard end. And I'm like, oh. No. No. And like, again, context of the show, this is Louisiana. This is the deep south. Like, this is where you're going to find people saying those words. Yeah. And, like, if you've got a deeply racist person who's probably connected to the Confederacy, probably believes the South won, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Do they um, know they didn't? I don't. I don't think they know now. Um, <laughs> they still don't know. I have, I have t-shirts all of the Confederacy. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, somebody. <I'm> <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. Uh, yeah, they just um, say some really fucking horrible things. And I was just like, what is wrong with all of you people? I think it's just because I'm a very compassionate and empathetic person. So same. hearing that, I'm just like, oh, I hate you all. But also contextually, again, we probably come from an area that doesn't deal with that kind of yes. and I don't like I don't want to deal with that prejudice. Like they don't deal with that prejudice. I'm not saying that we don't deal with racism in everyday situations with people of colour and like Aboriginals and Absolutely. First Nation people and black people here. But Probably being Australians, we've been faced with it less. Yeah, and also or more less exposed to it. People in my family and my immediate circles don't behave that way or think exactly. That way, so. I have friends with two brain cells to rub together. Bless them. Uh-huh. Everybody in this, everybody in this bar, like no, like they're, they're, they're smart people. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> like the people in this bar probably couldn't pour water out of a boot with the instructions on the bottom. No, absolutely not. And th- um, and that that is a another thing too. You know. Um, being intellectually incapable of understanding the complexities of those situations. Exactly. They're, they're, they're not exposed enough to deal with it because it's something they don't deal with. So it's like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about it. And then they were probably taught, you know, some kind of very Southern, uh, like image of things and how people should be treated. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this dude dropping a hard end being, like, you know, people shouldn't be, like, mingling together if that's how God wanted it, they would have made it, like, God would have made us all the same colour. Um, Yikes. Questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, all of these people are making these really insensitive comments. Yeah. There are also a lot of victim blaming going on in everyone's oh. thoughts. And I was like, yuck. Yuck. And Disgusting. And then they put it onto Suki as well because she's been hanging out with Bill. They're yeah. like, you're going to be next. You're, you're next. the next one. Like, you're going to be dead next. Yeah. I, I have a question about psychics. Okay. What are the legalities of listening in on people's thoughts? Well. Like, do you need a warrant for that? Is that admissible in court? <laughs> it would not be admissible in court. <laughs> um, but like, also free reign? I, like, <laughs> you, could, you could confess to murder in your brain and be like, nobody's going to hear this. There's a goddamn psychic two doors down. <laughs> listening. Who's like, listening oh, in. Like, what are the legalities around that? Okay, so imagine trying to convince the lawmakers in our country that someone can read people's minds. Imagine. They can't even, they don't even think, you know, that natural energy is a good idea. Like, remember that time that, was it ScoMo brought in a lump of coal into, that was only two years ago, three years ago. Counterpoint, Scott Morrison is a fanatical evangelist. (laughs) 
that so, so maybe he does believe people can read minds <laughs> maybe oh maybe we, maybe we, uh no don't i don't even anyway don't we're, not a, we're not we're not a, we're not we're not we're not a political podcast <laughs> we're not a political podcast i would i would 100 percent vote one club dead yeah we should be political people po- we should politician <laughs> what's the word what, we, we should we should do politics for a living and stuff <laughs> i should be a political person we should. I can just do that anyway. Um. <laughs> so Tara comes into work because she's been late because she's been busy lying to the police to bail yes. Jason out. Um, and she's like, sorry, but like Sam says you're late. And she's like, sorry, boss. And he's like totally cold and disconnected from this. And Sam's like, Maybe, maybe we should talk about last night. And she's like, no, no. you are not to tell anyone. I've been telling that I've been with Jason. Yeah, and Sam is rightfully him. upset about this. Yeah. He's he's fucking like, excuse me? And, like, rightfully so. Like, she was the one who proposed that they have sex together. But she also um, said that they don't need to talk about it. It's a one-off thing. That's it. And that's exactly how she's behaving. I think the issue that sort of I have is that she's not even giving Sam the closure that maybe he's after or, yeah. like, that kind of thing. She's like, nope, never happened. Don't worry we about didn't, it. We weren't together last night. I was with Jason. By the way, um, I told the cops I was with Jason. And yeah, he's like, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just casually lying to the police in a murder investigation. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. Oh, God. The next, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is coming up next. <laughs> so Jason is at home masturbating. To some, what I believe is like VHS porn. Yeah. It's really old. It's yeah. Old. So, like, you can hear, it's, again, like, just awkward sex. And he's sitting there. He is. He's, girl, he is, he's not enjoying it either. He's just, like, fucking kill me he, now. He looks pained. But yeah. he's, beat, he's beaten that meat. Um, uh, and then he looks down at his hands to find his thumb blistered. And then he looks at his penis. And I was like, I could only imagine what that looks like. My favourite part is he's, like, looking down and he's like, sweet baby. Oh, my baby. <laughs> like, he's talking to his so penis. Sorry. I'm like, sweetheart. He's so distressed. It's his one, it's his one use in life and he's, he's like, fuck. literally fucked it. Fucked it. So back at Millette's, Suki um, is listening, continuing to listen in on everyone's thoughts and she's looking, listening to Ho- Hoyt Fortenberry. And he says, he says, crying shame is what it is. This place ain't going to be the same without Dawn. She had the prettiest, nicest smile. Why was I so scared to talk to her? Now I'll never know what her voice sounded like. I bet it sounded like angels and parakeets mixed together. And Suki just grabs him and hugs him and was like, thank you. Thank you so much. She like gives him a kiss on the cheek and he just immediately like melts. He's like, okay, I love it. I mean, he does have some... Problems. He gets he gets really yeah problematic later, but I yeah. love him now. He's just again he's just like he's so well intentioned, and yeah. despite the fact that he is related to Maxine Fortenberry, like <laughs> he doesn't seem to want to speak ill of anybody. He just yeah. wants to be like, okay, you know, this is what's happened. Like, it's you really know, sad. yeah, he's really sad. He's really upset. Like he's thinking about dicking her, um, or dating her at least. But he's like not speaking ill of her. Yeah. And I find that really endearing. And I think that's what Suki was like, thank God I'm just going to sit here and wade in this pool of, like, loveliness for a second. Yeah. And you kind of, because you know when, um, like, 
when we're in the scenes where Suki is listening to people and we have that kind of everything else is blurred out but their voice. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, there was just some really like a nice vibe that they also put with it. It wasn't yeah. like that really aggressive like um ting they put to people's voices yeah it was nice and smooth and it sounds when when people are saying really nasty things it kind of sounds like this static in the background Mm. and it's designed I think the I I love the sign the sound design on it because it's like it's designed to be hard to hear when you're listening to Hoyt it's like really yeah it's like really angelic and it's really like pretty and stuff like that it's like oh okay I can sit here and listen to this for ages that was really nice um until Jason Jason walks in and Suki's so just like, did you kill her? And he's like, no, I've got to see Lafayette. And he's like, you know, fucking stumbling into the kitchen. My favourite part is that Suki's explaining why she's working and he's like, hang on, i got to stop you there. I think you're revving up for a big one, so I'm just going to stop you. I have to go talk to Lafayette. Love you, bye. And I'm you're like, revving up for a big one. Bye. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I've heard, I've heard your big speeches. I'm out. And, then, yeah, he goes to Lafayette. <laughs> And Lafayette's reaction to everything that Jason says is just like, what? What did I say? Are you incapable of thought? Are you incapable of listening? Uh, (sighs) Because he asks Jason how much he drank and he's like, the whole thing. And he's like, you dizzy motherfucker. I said one drop, two max, and you took the whole thing. (laughs) And Jason's like trying to explain, like, I didn't do it intentionally. Like, I was in the back of a cop car, all that kind of shit. And Lafayette's like, you're a fucking fucking idiot. idiot. Because he um he asks what the cure is, and he's like, oh, there's no cure for for V juice. And then Jason, ever so calmly, is like, when my grandfather had gout of his big toe, he said that the weight of a single sheet was too much for him to bear. That's what it feels like, man. I got gout of the dick. <laughs> I don't even really know what gout is, but it sounds funny. I don't want to think of what gout of the dick is. So, like, a gout, gout is, like, what happens. They have to be really war- uh, really careful about it with military personnel who can't change their shoes and their socks often. Because okay. if you stay in wet socks for too long, it's a really good breeding environment for the bacteria that causes gout. Oh. Um, so it sort of inflames and infects the skin. Ah, yuck. Um, And it's really, it's. I do not recommend anybody go Google gout, like serious cases of gout. Uh, If you do, not my fault, not my problem. You go do that somewhere else. I'm going to Google it because medical stuff doesn't bother me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, again, I spent 20 minutes researching uh, the thing that Jason is suffering from. Which It's going to be very important. It's going to be an important discussion. It is. We're going to learn, you're going to learn some things. (laughs) Uh, I for once researched before the podcast. (laughs) I love it. Um, so Bill so comes Bill in. comes in. Ugh, and Arlene is so fucking rude to him. And she tells him that they don't have the true blood that he wants and they've only got this one. And don't microwave it because he doesn't deserve it. He can have it cold. And I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think Arlene knows that she's racist or that she's just so small-minded it's her typical behaviour? I think she doesn't probably think that she's racist. Yeah. In the same way that people are like, I'm not racist, I have black friends, or I'm not homophobe. I was going to say the same thing. I'm not a homophobe, I have gay gay friends. friends. Yeah. So Arlene probably doesn't think that she's racist because she has black friends. She's got people of colour around her and she's friends with them. But 
she's scared of vampires. And, like, I can understand that. Like, vampires so far, like, two people in connection with vampires have been murdered. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't understand them. She doesn't care to understand them. So I think yeah. she is, like, again, it's that unconscious bias, but she's actively not trying to undo it. Yeah, she's actively continuing to be the epitome of small town prejudice and ignorance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Suki comes over and she's like, you know he likes own egg. And she's like, well, I don't care. So yeah. Suki offers to take it over to him, um, puts down the bottle, grabs his hand and says, come with me. Mm. Bill picks up the bottle and is like, where are we going? And <laughs> I, it's, it's such, it's so like boy at a frat party sort of thing. He's like, okay, good, pretty girl saying me somewhere. I can't leave the beer. <laughs> Don't let me forget my beer. But so they go outside and Suki's like, I know that there's this vampire bar in Shreveport. Do you mind taking me? And Bill's like, ah, Bangtasia. And she's like, and what? Bangtasia. And he's like, puns used to be the highest form oh. of humor. And I'm like, excuse me, they still are. They still are. What do you mean used to be? What do you mean used to be? You may be 150 years old. You know what's up. <laughs> uh, I like that she asks him to take her, but she's like, it's not a date. And he's like, it's not no, a date. It's not a date. And his behavior is actually, you know what? It's level one on the Bill Toxometer. Yeah. Like he's, he's acting like a decent human being. Um, it's a very low bar. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so Suki, so Suki goes and like asks Sam for the rest of the night off. She's explaining that she's going to go to this bar so that she can clear Jason's name. And Mr. Compton was so nice to escort her. And Sam really arcs up. But at first, I feel like him being like, do you really want to go to a vampire bar? And he shows like an appropriate level of concern because Suki's only just recently found her friend dead. And he's kind of like, do you, are you sure you want to go somewhere? And he then. Doesn't, he doesn't kind of go around it the way that I, like a, a good way though. Cause he's like, you're gonna end up dead. Well, that bit I didn't appreciate. Um, but then he also says some quite hot takes. <laughs> Sam, Sam with the hot takes. He oh, says his pants. <laughs> Uh, which I found this his entire section here is just a real big symbolism for that racist mentality in the South. And he yep. says that he believes that vampires should be able to own things, but they should be kept secret, like separate from humans. Separate but equal. And I was just like, oh, so you want segregation? And that's what and that's what Suki says to him. She's yeah. like, you want separate but equal. You want seg- seg- uh, segregation. Sam outs himself as a massive racist in this scene. Yeah. Um, and I was, I've got a note here. It's like, if he was talking about black people instead of vampires, like Tara would murder him. Yeah. Um, but I think because again, like vampires are seen as just regular people. They don't think that they're actively being prejudiced against vampires, despite the fact that they are technically a different race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Sam, Sam says this whole like thing about how like he thinks that they should be able to own bars. He just doesn't think people should be able to go there. Yeah. That's that's the big key phrase. It's like, I don't care if they own bars. I just don't think people should be able to go there. Mm. Um, and Suki's like, well, you can't stop me. You're a Too dick. But later, dude. And just like moonwalks on out of there. <laughs> and uh, I love the dress that she wears for this. She Vampire looks, bait. She looks stunning. Yeah, she's got her boobs up under her chin. Her hair's in like curls. She's got like a cute little headband on. and looks va- and Bill calls her vampire bait. Yeah, because she he's says, like, you know, a penny for your thoughts. And he's like, well. Sort of promised your grandmother that nothing would come, like, no I harm would come you to killed. you. But, but dressed like you that. Look like that. <laughs> I like, thank like, you. Thank you for also slut shaming her. 
Yeah, like, thank, thank you for, like, it's, like, the weirdest backhanded compliment. Yeah, because and she's kind of like, um, thanks? Yeah, so he kind of goes, eh? Um, and he, like, he again reiterates that this is not a date. Um, because yeah. Suki says, is that your way of, like, paying me a compliment or telling me I look nice? And he's like, well, I would, but this isn't a date. Yeah. Bill's going up to the toxic- toxometer. Yeah, it's slowly, it's slowly climbing. Creeping up. Uh... <laughs> I've just got lol, 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 lol in capital Because letters. I know exactly what's... I, so Tara is carting this big box of tomatoes and she's like, this ain't part of my job description, walks in and Jason goes, don't turn around. <laughs> don't look because at me. He, because he has a ribeye on his dick. He's sitting there with his How pants around his neck. in there without anyone I noticing? I don't think he... I just think he waited for everybody to leave the kitchen and just kind of climbed on in. <laughs> he was like, oh, fuck it. So this is where we are introduced to what is technically called priapism. Because Tara drags his ass to the hospital. Yeah, because she's like, well, let me look at it. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's, like, talking about how it's not the first time she's seen somebody, like, OD on, on V. She understands yeah. what priapism is. Um, all right, let me look at it. And her face. Oh. Her face is so beautiful. She is, like horrified she's like we we gotta get you to the hospital and like she is so scared and jason's like i don't i don't know what to do he's just sitting there with his ribeye on his dick hopeless he's like help help me help me um so i will talk a little bit more about priapism when we get to the hospital yeah but we are now into ham territory we are at fantasia that place uh screams cat you belong here to me and it's probably sort of, the same for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like the oh, what is it? It's like um Taking Back Sundays, the the, the oh, show yeah. where they go and do the covers. Yeah. It's what I imagine Taking Back Sundays would have been on like in 2008. <laughs> I was going to Hot Damn then. Yeah, that's it, Hot Damn. <laughs> oh god, I never went to a Hot Damn. I oh, was, was very much too introverted for a Hot Damn. W- way too much fun. Way too cheap I, to drink. <laughs> I will I will 100% go to a Taking Back Sunday though or an emo night. Let's oh, go an emo night. The next emo night is actually coming up soon. Um, oh, actually, it might us, be tonight. Just... <laughs> I think it's tonight. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Not tonight. Next one. one next, my, next one. One of my friends actually runs it. It's called AMPM. It's in uh, at the Burdekin in the city. And yes. Yeah, he, it's his first ticketed event since COVID, so he's pretty excited. So everybody, I hope you went to that when this releases if not, next go week. Go to the next one. Yeah, it's exactly. Always worth it. There's always good bands, good DJs, and it's lots of fun and a very safe and inclusive environment. So, as emo should be, as it should be. So anyway, don't um, mind us. We're just socializing, just organizing our, our our social calendar. So they go in, and uh, a beautiful, tall, blonde woman asks oh. to see Suki's ID, and Holy shit. I get, oh God, I get, you know how I, I, I like, I say to Jason, like, he's going to get real gay real quick. I get real gay real quick over Pam. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so Pam is commonly referred, she's just commonly referred to as Pam. Her name is Pamela Swinford de Belfort. Yes. Um, and she was made into a vampire by Eric about a century before um, True Blood happens. Yeah. So she's been with Eric for a long while. She is she is Eric's progeny. That's what they call each other. Yeah. That's what they call um, a vampire you create. They are your progeny. 
Um, so Sam comes up and cards Suki, and Suki finds this so quaint. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> She's like, oh, imagine like being carded at a, a vampire bar, and Pam's like, I can't tell the ages of humans anymore. So um, we have to make after? sure that we don't. <laughs> have to make sure that we don't serve minors in any capacity. Yeah. And just that added part of in any capacity. And Suki's like, hmm? Hmm? Excuse, excuse me, what's happening? What do you mean? And, like, Pam is looking at Suki's ID and she's like, hmm, 25, how sweet it is. Yeah, I like, love that. Like, please, please talk to me like that. <laughs> just talk at me. Just, but I love yeah, how Bill's like, I'm mainstreaming. And Pam's like, good for you. <laughs> yeah, just like I don't give a shit. Fuck off. But she give, looks like give a me the blonde dominatrix queen in this. She's the em- yeah. So she's like the emo queen I wanted to be when I grew up. Oh, me too. Um, Although but- a corset is not for me. No, um, that's my yeah, back. Don't- my lungs. <laughs> my lungs. My back. My kidneys. My inside. <laughs> my muffin tops. <laughs> <laughs> my little love handles. <laughs> So they walk in and the scene is set. You've got everybody is in like leather or latex. It's leather black. Yeah. Everybody's got eyeliner on. The vampire dancers are wearing like very skimpy, very sexy costumes and they like dance really quickly and then slow down, um, all this kind of stuff. The song that is playing in the background is actually Demons by Darkest Hour. I don't know if you ever listened to Darkest Hour, but I loved them as a teenager. So I watch a uh, a series on YouTube by a woman named Kenny uh, Kenny JD, okay. and she does this thing called Bad Movies in a Beat. Um, and her, so she 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 watches bad movies while putting on her makeup. Um, check it out. This is my official recommendation. Um, <laughs> and she has this theory that bad things have bonker soundtracks. Yeah. Because the theme song to True Blood is amazing. This song is amazing. A lot of the songs they play are absolutely bonza. Um, this show is god awful. <laughs> but we, in like the we best love the it best. because of that. But I like, will die on the True Blood hill. Oh, absolutely. But it's the same reason why, like, I watch the I watch like the True uh, the True Blood the the Twilight movies. One, the soundtrack oh. is great, and two, the movies are terrible. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, just like god awful. But the soundtracks are amazing. Oh, the soundtrack's so good. Sometimes I'll drive to work and just put it on and be like, love this soundtrack. I'm not too sure about the movie. Why why did the movie have to ruin it for me? Yeah, basically. Um, So then they go to the bar. And they meet Long Shadow, who is quite old as well. From what I remember, he's a couple of hundred years old. Mm -hmm. And he is actually the business partner of Pam and Eric. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And he's an interesting character, and we get to know Long Shadow a little bit more in the next two two episodes, I think. Yeah. Um, and so Suki's showing pictures of Mordet and Dawn, and he says, look, they've both been here, um, and says that Mordet wanted to die. Yeah, he has this really interesting sort of, like, mini monologue. He's like, this one wanted to die, and he holds up a photo of Mordet, and he goes, everyone who comes in here wants to in their own way. That's what we are. Death. Death. Yeah. And it's very poignant because you don't normally think of death as li- like a quote unquote living, breathing creatures. Yeah. Death is a natural end to life, but the, 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 that doesn't happen now. The natural order is out of whack. Yeah. Just, just uh, disturbed, disrupted, disrupted. Disrupted. Um, yeah. That's because vampires exist. Um, so like, yeah, he just kind of, he's talking about this whole thing about how they personify death and whatnot. And whether that yeah. is just playing up the fact that they are in an, am- an emo bar, um, <laughs> 
or whether it's an actual thing. I just think it's really poignant and actually really like, mm. sort of beautiful in a way. And the way he speaks as well is very poetic. So yes. that definitely adds to it. We also learn more about vampire code and convention because he talks, uh, Suki asks him, you know, do you know the vampires that these women were with? And he's like, that's something we don't notice and you won't either. Yes. So vampires, like vampires don't really like acknowledge each other really. Mm. They just kind of go along with their singular creatures unless they're nesting. And we've seen yeah. what happens to vampires who nest. Um, unless they decide to like become a maker and, and get a progeny or mainstream, um, it all just mainstream. Really depends. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not something that they necessarily discuss. Yeah, that's really interesting because there's yeah this real big code around secrecy and the sexual interactions between humans and vampires at mm-hmm. Fantasia, and so um, and I think Pam talks about that quite often um, later on, but she did in the book. She was very um, you know she made it very clear about the secrecy and like this code of um being anonymous at Fang Rule number one, you don't talk about being a vampire. Rule number two, refer to rule number one. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, they grab a drink and sit down and <laughs> uh Bill says to Suki, are you able to pick anything up? And she says, all anyone's thinking about here is sex, sex, sex. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill's like, one needn't be telepathic to pick up on that. I was like, yeah, true. But but again, going back to the secrecy around vampires and the pseudo-sexual relationship between feeding and sex for vampires, yeah. um, the bar is clearly playing up that sexy element with all of the red and all of the black and all of the music. And, and the, the leather. And and and, and, yeah, there is this yeah. pseudo-sexual element um, to vampires that is – you know, if you're feeding, if they're feeding off you, it's meant to be an intimate thing, but some vampires mm. don't see it like that. But when you're in this bar, that is the clear intention of everybody. It is yeah. to get off and get fed. Yeah. My favourite is when Suki looks over and there's, like, these tourists buying Fantasia shirts. I love, <laughs> I love that Eric is a late-stage capitalist. <laughs> he's not stupid. He knows where the money's at. He's, he's, he's on it. <laughs> he's so- a businessman. He is. So Bill and, Bill and Suki are talking and then it pans to Eric. Yes. And uh, Suki asks, who's that? Ah, you noticed him. No, it's not like that. I just, everyone does. That's Eric. He's the oldest thing in this bar. And I was like, Bill is so automatically insecure in this point. It's, but it's because Suki's noticing him and like, Eric is sexy. I don't like, like the even- long hair. No, even with the terrible wig, um, which <laughs> does get fixed. Thank God. Um, but like Eric, Eric exudes this like air of mystery about him, and because it's just he doesn't talk sexual energy. Yeah, it's it's raw sexual energy. If that dude wanted you, you'd be like, "Cool, all right, hang on, let me get my pants off." Oh, oh. you're just taking them off. Oh, okay, don't worry about it. Don't even yeah, worry cool. about the pants. Just rip them off. Yeah, cool. That's I can fine. buy a new pair. That's fine. Don't worry about them. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is dead set he makes i think he makes this role i don't think i can Mm. picture anybody else in this role no me neither it's um and and it might have something to do with the point that he is eastern european and from like a nordic country yeah he's he's, swedish isn't he swedish yeah yeah because they actually do speak in swedish to each other bill yes um eric and pam yes um, um and they do it sometimes sometimes you can get the translations of what they're saying and yeah. sometimes you can't i'm watching the um the binge version and it just says they speak swedish oh and I'm like, but you, you know what they out, say to each other they, you miss out on some really witty bands um he says to her 
So our zoo is expanding. That's right. But if you don't, if you don't get the subtitles, you miss out yeah. on a really witty banter. <laughs> um. So Eric summons. No wait. Eric kicks a human who is fawning over him. Yeah. Into a nearby Brutally. table. Yeah, just like yeets this dude and he like cuts his head open and you see all the vampires immediately stop and turn. And then this gorgeous brunette, Taryn, comes. Mm. She's in like this um, vinyl like thing that's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She looks stunning. Gorgeous. Yeah. She's, again, like just step on me. It's fine. <laughs> I am a mere mortal. <laughs> step on me, please. Step on me. Um, <laughs> and the, the human goes willingly with her he is and he is there to be fed he wants to die i think yeah so that's actually Mm. what i've got here is this one wanted to die everybody who goes to faintasia does in their own way it's sort of echoing what long shadow said earlier um and then eric summons bill and sookie i loved that before that um bill says "Uh (laughs) uh-oh she's like don't say "Uh uh-oh vampires are not supposed to say "Uh uh-oh and then um and he says, you know, it's Eric, he scanned you twice, he's going to summon us. And Suki says, you know, can he do that? And Bill's like, mm, yeah. He's the sheriff, he can do that. So again, playing into the hierarchical structure of vampires, yeah. you've got um, the authority, the magistrate, uh, the magisters, the king, and qu- the king and queens of the states, the sheriffs, and then there are other sub-roles underneath yeah. the sheriffs. And they work for the sheriffs. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric is the sheriff of Area 9? Or 5? Something like that. I think it might be Area 5. Yeah. So. Or is that the band? I don't know. We'll fix that up. We'll we'll, we'll do that. We'll figure figure it out. out. Um, But, again, it plays to, if this is something that Eric wants, Bill can't say no. Exactly. Yeah. Because he would be disobeying his sheriff. And the, the vampires work in this very patriarchal, um, I can't think of the word. Um, like the structure, the structure is very patriarchal and it's very like loyalty yeah. based. You must be loyal, or they're gonna remove your fangs. Yeah, you're gonna die, and yeah. that does happen to vampires further on in the series. Yeah, they just like <laughs> they don't care each other, murdering each other and sticking each other in coffins for ten years. They do not give a shit. They're just like whatever. We live forever. Whatever. Uh, so we're back at the hospital. We're in the hospital, and Jason is being examined by a doctor. <laughs> And of course he lies when he asks if he's taken any drugs. So pro tip, <laughs> this is an actual pro tip. Do not lie to your doctors, nurses, or medical staff. But, they uh, are trying to make sure they don't accidentally kill you. Malpractice has a lot of paperwork. And also, if you've taken drugs, uh, the hospital is not there to arrest you. No, the, the doctors do not care. They literally they just want to make sure that <laughs> whatever they're about to give you does not interact with the meth. <laughs> Or the V-juice that is or currently purging through your penis. Yeah. So the, the doctor is sitting there shining this pen light into the camera and is, like, examining Jason. And then it pans out to Jason and Jason has a blue sheet tented oh, over his yeah. crotch. And I'm like, huh, okay, gout of the dick. Oh. And the doctor... The doctor goes, all right, let's have a look. Opens it up and goes, oh, I'm glad I'm not you. Pro tip, not a good thing for your medical staff. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. And then he describes it in the best way. He goes, it kind of looks like an eggplant with that colour and the way it's all swollen up at the end. I'm like, oh, oh, 
You know, I, I don't want to think. About, I don't want to think about a penis like that. I don't. I was deceased on my bed, deceased because all I could think of is eggplant emojis. Yes, and I was like, "True Blood, head of its time, eggplant yeah, emoji right. already." Now, it's it's just, and like Tara's reaction to it is like, "I ain't sticking around for this shit." It's like I sometimes I will admit I get curious about some fucked up medical shit, but this I don't want to say it. it's gonna change her. I love how she's yeah. like, "This is gonna change me," and he's like, "It's gonna change you." Change you. <laughs> so what Jason has been diagnosed with is priapism, and basically it is the result of pe- uh, blood not being able to exit the penis. I diagnosed Jason. I went through like the Mayo Clinic <laughs> and WebMD and all that kind of stuff because I wanted to make sure I had all this. It I'm is really curious. A, it is ischemic priapism the result of blood not being able to exit the penis it is an emergent situation that requires immediate treatment the treatment usually begins with a combination of draining the blood from the penis and using medication so normally they use stuff like anti-inflammatories and all that kind of stuff probably Um, warfarin um but in jason's situation they can't do that because he hasn't been truthful about what drugs he's taken so the next part i've got here is therapies Excess blood is drained from your penis using a small, small needle and syringe aspiration. As part of the procedure, the blood, uh, the penis might also be flushed with saline solution. The treatment also often relieves pain, removes oxygen-poor blood, and might stop the erection. The treatments might be repeated until the erection ends. I'm so glad I don't have a penis. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'd rather have a swollen vagina. I would rather kick myself in the teeth. <laughs> I would just, I would rather get an uppercut from Floyd Mayweather. I mean, oh, he's a wife beater, so she probably would uppercut me. Um, <laughs> That's a hot take. That is such a hot take. That's um, hot. <laughs> but just, and uh. then, and then, so the doctor's like, all right, I need to, uh, I need to drain the blood from your penis. And then there's just this baby crying in the background yes. as it zooms in on Jason's yes. face. That would be me. And oh, like the doctors, the doctors like getting this syringe ready, and it's like a huge syringe. Have you ever had um, an aspiration done? Not on my penis. No, oh, no, not on my. I've had one. <laughs> I have like a a lump in my leg. Mm-hmm. I we don't know what it is. It's just a lump. It's just a lump. But I had to make sure it wasn't cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get an aspiration needle done. And these needles are so long. And I'm yep. like, why? And they're, genera- and they're generally, I've never had an aspiration, but my mom's a nurse, so I know a little bit about random bits and pieces. Mm. Um, they're generally really long. And they're not small gauge needles. No. They tend to be quite large needles. And it reminds me of, like, when your parents got, like, the polio vaccine and they've got, like, the hole in their arm. Yeah. That's yeah, this, this aspiration, is... they had to put, like, um, steri uh, strips afterwards to, like, keep my leg together. And they were like, just be careful because you might burst the hole open. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Why do I have a hole? Why is there a hole in my leg? <laughs> Gross. Fucking hell. Um, so Tara is trying to get away from this situation. She's like, I'm out. She's like, I'm out. Um, and Jason begs her to stay. And Jason's like... The doctor's like, all right, we're going to do this. He comes at him with a needle. <laughs> and Jason's like, what, you're not going to put me under? And the doctor's like, well, I don't know what drugs you're on. I can't give you a local and or we don't general have anesthetic. Time. And we don't have time. You're going to lose that thing. <laughs> and he goes, lay back. And Jason looks like he's about to give birth. He's, he's breathing. <laughs> Tara's got hold of his hand. So supportive. 
And then Jason gets a needle to the dick while being completely awake and aware. And Ugh. the sound, the, the sound they make when it's supposed to be the needle hitting the penis is grotesque. And then Jason just screams and I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I'm, I don't have a penis. Yeah. I, 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 so I know a little bit about priapism because I got curious. <laughs> there is apparently a Brazilian wandering spider that if you get bit, one of the symptoms is priapism. Oh no. Like, I'm so glad I don't have a penis. A, a penis. I'm so glad I don't have an object that does this on my body. <laughs> like, I, oh. Too full on for me. That's too much responsibility. I would be curious to watch it, but it would change It would change me on a molecular level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those like, people that have to watch my medical procedures. So, like, I've had cysts cut out. I've had stitches. Oh, like, I've had heaps of things done over the last couple of months. And I have to watch. I got really disappointed when my dentist didn't film my root canal because apparently it was <laughs> one of the most infected he'd ever seen. And I got really disappointed I couldn't watch it. You're like, I want to see that. Right? You're just like, I'm not like, I can't look at my own mouth. <laughs> Um, so pro tip, um, don't, the, the, the mm. moral of this story is don't drink a whole vial of V, yeah. um, and don't lie to your medical carers cause they're going to do the best to make you comfortable. This is probably the most sound piece of advice we're going to give in this episode. Don't so. date vampires and don't lie to your medical carers. And don't have sex with Jason Stackhouse. Don't have Jason, Jason don't have <laughs> sex with Jason, don't have Jason with sex Stackhouse. <laughs> Oh, God. Good. That's good advice. <laughs> good advice. Solid advice. Um, so it cuts back to the bar and Arlene's like, hey, Sam, I hate to ask, but can you walk me to my car? With everything that's going on, I don't feel safe, which is totally, totally fair. Understandable. Yeah. And Sam, Sam is gentlemanly enough that he's like, yep, cool. I will walk you to your car. Can you grab the lights? And then he grabs some gloves. Oh, my God. I forgot about the last Sam's thing. off to do some sketchy shit. Do-da, do-da. He's so shady. He's so, they like, because he's like, when when Arlene comes to like meet him in the bar, he's like looking at this photo of, like he's looking at this photo and you can't see what photo it is. But after after he grabs the gloves and like Arlene's talking about like how small the, how small the community is and like you wouldn't think this would happen and how can people yeah. like this be living in the community? It's like really setting Sam up. Um, the camera pans to a photo of Sam and... Dawn together. Yeah. Yep. So it kind of gets your brain ticking like, uh, what? Yeah, is Arlene going to die? But also Arlene, Arlene hasn't had a connection with vampires. Yeah. So doesn't fit the MO. Well, she has, also, she hasn't had sex with Jason Stackhouse. He's too busy having yeah. an aspiration on his penis because he drinks He can't have penis. sex at the moment. Oh. Get out of the dick. <laughs> I wonder if he'll should... just never have sex again. No, we know that's a lie. That's yeah. a dirty, that is a dirty ball fleece lie. <laughs> the moment that thing is ready to go, he's going to go stick it in something he probably shouldn't. Oh, an electric socket, I hope. <laughs> Jason, how did, you end up in the, how did you end up in the DR again? Um, uh, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, God. So now we're back at Fantasia. Fantasia. Oh, I love this because uh, Sookie's listening in to a hundred different people's it says here, Sookie hears a hundred different versions of people hoping to get laid. Yeah, and basically. Yeah, they're summoned over by Eric and Eric, you know, who is this? She introduces herself and, you know, she's asking about the women in the bar and Eric's because, quite forthcoming. Yeah, Eric's like, I hear you're like questioning my patrons. You need yeah. to ask me. Yes, that's right. 
And then he... Bill says something about her being his. Because Eric asks, is she... (laughs) You're quite attached to your friend. Yes. And I'm just like... And like, like, Eric... I have here, like, Eric is looking at her like a tasty blonde pop top. (laughs) And like, again, she's vampire-based. She's dressed... Like, everybody here is dressed in, like, leather and black and all of these Mm. tight-fitting clothes. And she's there in this really cute, like, ruched dress that's white and red. And she looks like a Southern Belle. Yeah. Um... And it's quite, it's not a very fascinating interaction, but you kind of get how stoic and um, how, uh, what's the word? Um, Like nonsensical. Yeah, a little bit, but also Eric's very, like a loner. Yeah. Like he's got Pam there and they're talking about like the zoo and all that kind of stuff, but Eric doesn't talk to people. Um, yeah. And like watching him interact with Suki is really interesting because he always denies that he doesn't want her for anything. He's just yeah. interested in her because, you know, she's a human or whatever. But like they really start playing up this whole idea that Eric has fallen instantly in love with her. Yes. Yeah. In the book, um, she can act- she actually hears Eric's thoughts. Oh. At one point. There's like a moment of stress in a scene, and I can't remember if it happens in the in the television series, but it's the only time she ever hears any vampire's thoughts. In in the book anyway. I don't remember that in the series, but it may happen later. Yeah. yeah it's she just sees things like where he was made and him as a vet like him as because he was a viking so she sees him as a viking and it's just like a very yeah it's just a quick glimpse into his past and that was it and so i'm thinking oh maybe because he's so old there's like some kind of magic that shares that maybe yeah but anyway hopefully it happens later in the show because i can't remember but it does in the book it was really cool um Eric calls, I don't, Mordet or Dawn, one of them pathetic, and the other one he tasted, and Suki absolutely mouths off at him. I think he called Mordet pathetic, but he tasted Dawn. Yes. and uh, Because I think if I remember, like, if she was describing he had long hair, he was tall, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, like, and like Eric's hair in this is meant to be very noticeable. It's awful. It's It's meant to be very terrible. noticeable. It's Such terrible. What the fuck is that? Who went, let's put this on him. You know what, he's an attractive Scandinavian man. Let's put a mop on him. Let's take him down a peg. <laughs> we can't, t- we can't have him t- too confident. We can't, we can't have him too sexy. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Suki hears the, the voice the uh, of the thoughts cop. of the undercover cop being like, where are they? Where's my backup? And she's like... There's a raid about to happen. And there's a woman feeding on a man in the bathroom. Yep. And then boom, raid happens. Yeah. And they all get out of there. And it's kind of really fascinating because Eric is kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Eric's, Eric's like, follow me. Um, and they leave. And then Eric and Pam leaving looks like they're being pulled along on skateboards. I know. It's so... <laughs> It's so uncanny valley. It's so creepy. It's like, you're not meant to move like that. Stop it. No, stop. I don't like it. You don't it. do that. Um, but Eric's like, I'm sure we'll meet again, Miss Stackhouse. Oh, he says, um, you will come again. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. Please. <laughs> Are you threatening me with a good time? Or... <laughs> All right. 
Let's do um, it. <laughs> and then Bill scoops Sookie up and off they run to the car. Also like they're on a skateboard. Oh, it's, it's so, so weird. bad. <laughs> um, at this point, Tara's driving Jason home, who's just had probably the most traumatising surgical experience of his life. But he's like, he's, he's out like a baby for a dude who just got a needle to the dick. Imagine like all sleeping. the adrenaline, like just oh. leaving, surging and then leaving your body. You'd be I don't so tired. Think about it. I don't, I don't want to think about it. Um, but there's a really, really sad flashback and, you know, Tara's remembering about how Jason used to protect her against her, her mum, who does threaten Jason at the front door and, you know, um. Uh, it's it's really confronting because hmm. like Tara is running up and like screaming out for Sookie and Jason opens the door and um uh Tara's mom is like you need to let me get to her she hid my Captain Morgan yeah again it's this drunk it's this drunk fueled violence, violence. Yeah. yeah and Jason's Jason is standing in the he's got one hand on the door and he's got one hand on the door frame and he's not gonna let her through like he's gonna go through her to get through that door. Yeah, and he says, well, Gran's not here right now and I'm not supposed to let anyone in. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, <laughs> and then the whole the whole interaction is like, oh, but you let her in. And she's like, well, I know her. Yeah. Um, And then Jason threatens to call the Sheriff cops. Dearborn. Yeah. Like, he's like, you can try, but I'm just going to call the cops. They're going to come and arrest you. And I bet there's no Captain Morgan in jail. <laughs> yeah. And she kind of just leaves smart mouth nine-year-old but i love when she comes out of the flashback back she's, she's like, like smiling, smiling probably because that's, of jason's dick like you fucking that's idiot not a, that's not a happy flashback don't smile i about don't think that. she's smiling about that it's kind of like well jason always had my back and now i've got his i'm lying to the police for him yeah. Tara. oh god Ex- extinguish the candle dude extinguish the put candle it, put it out um, Bill and Suki are driving home and she asks him to pull over because she just needs a few minutes to be like, what the fuck was all of that? I have it down as like a human moment and I don't yeah. know where I got that from. I've, I've heard something in a, a, a TV show or a, a video game or something like that where it's like, I just need a human moment. Yeah, it definitely feels like that because she's just like, okay, well, Bill's able to comprehend everything that just happened. Well, I Bill's just... listening to like Cambodian throat music. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that. He's cultured. He's very cultured. Um, so they're about to kiss and a police officer pulls up and he asks if they were at Fantasia because there was a raid and blah, da, 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 da. He asks if he can shine his light on Sookie's neck. Now, this doesn't happen in the book. Oh, really? In the I, book, I can't remember the book. In the book, they do, get, they do pull over, um, except at this point, Bill had already been feeding on Sookie. Ah. And so she actually has a scarf on. Like she makes she quickly puts a scarf on when the cops come over and they freak out. Like they panic about this cop. But it feels like the complete opposite in this. Yeah, it's very kid playing with his food in this because Bill yeah. is like glamouring um this cop mm. and is like, you need to give me your gun. Yeah. Um, is it loaded? It's very heavy, it's a beautiful weapon. Um, one before this happens, um, the cop is shining the light on Sookie's neck, and then Bill goes, "Why don't you ask her if you can shine it between her legs?" And she's just like, "Bill, 
lot. Yeah, and then he's like, oh. very casually, he's like, the femoral arteries down there, you don't need to suck so hard. And I'm like, oh my god. And then he flashes the fucking... Um, Copies fangs, because his yeah. fangs are out. He's all... And um, so he takes the gun, and he actually says to the police officer, now you listen to me, officer, I do not take kindly to you shining your light in the eyes of my female companion. And as and as I have more than 100 years on you, I do not take kindly to you calling me son. So the next time you pull someone over on suspicion of being a vampire, you better pray to God that you're wrong because that vampire might not be as kind to you as I'm about to be. I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to take your gun. Does that sound fair? Now, Bill is saying this monologue while pointing the gun, gun in his at face. the cop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, like, the cop is like, yes, and yes, sir, because, like, Bill sort of forces him to say that, and they drive off, and then it sort of stays on the cop, and he's it shows just, that the cop has wet himself. Yeah, and he's just standing, like, completely. Stunned. Yeah, he's, uh, he's still recovering from being glamoured. Yeah, he's, he's completely traumatised by this, and, like, Suki gets really worked up about this. She's like, Bill, you need to stop this. Yeah. And he totally, um, dis- this is where I'm like, Bill Toximeter at least seven. Yeah. He's like a seven and a half here. Because it's she really, said stop. Really and he just totally dismissed how she felt about the entire situation. She felt unsafe. And they unsafe. don't talk about it. No. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Like she was, she was feeling unsafe. She didn't like Bill abusing his power like that. And especially yeah. like, he was saying like, you know, why don't you ask if you can shine it between her legs and all this kind of stuff. Like he was being intentionally inflammatory. Like he was trying to pick a fight with a cop. Yeah. And like Not something I would recommend. No. And also while that is on, that first initial interaction, we see a huge driving while black analogy. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, and I feel like they're while they do this, it's just like I don't like them creating black experiences using a white person it's white it's very whitewashed yeah i'm just like mm, not the same thing like a vamp there's no you know driving while vampire you know what i mean because a vampire because like we've we we see later on that like regular bullets won't kill a vampire yeah it exactly. will wound a vampire it won't kill a vampire hmm. so bill wasn't in any danger there no everybody who was in danger was sookie and the cop yeah Exactly. This is a this is very much like it's meant to be driving while black, existing while black sort of thing. Yeah. And they're trying to sort of use vampires again as this analogy for race. But the roles in this are reversed. Yes, Bill is in the car, but he's gotten the he, he got the cop's weapon. Yeah. He's glamoured the cop. The cop is subdued for all intents purposes intents and purposes. The predator in this is Bill. Yeah. He's not a victim in this. Exactly. And if they well, want he's, to keep he's, Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> if they want to keep using this whole uh, vampires as an analogy for racism in the South, I think they should have been more careful about the specific um, experiences that they highlight. Mm. Like, and this I understand. Me, I understand that they're using that Bill has been a um, a victim now of like racial profiling because he was stopped for being a vampire. But this yeah. isn't the same as what you know, Tara would face. Exactly. Or Lafayette yeah. would face. More, more often than not, Lafayette would face, especially being a black a, male. <laughs> a black male who is either very feminine or very masculine. And those two traits are seen in men as very threatening. Like you can't be yeah. a feminine male. It's seen as threatening. Yeah. For whatever reason. You can't be a I don't masculine know. male. It's mm. seen as threatening. Um, yeah. And I like while I appreciate what they're trying to do, I think it's just very 
important that these kinds of experiences aren't whitewashed because of the severity of them and that this, if it was a black person driving, the danger is... Would have turned out so different. Would have been so different. Exactly. And we know know historically that it will. It will turn out differently. So putting a white man who's a vampire behind the wheel of a car instead of a black man, to me, is very poor taste. It's it's a ham-fisted one, to be sure. Yeah. I just, I didn't appreciate it. I was like, oh, I get it. Because, but in the book, it's so different. Yeah. It's such a different interaction. Um, this was just done very poorly. But. Again, Road to Hell paved with good intentions. Yeah. I just feel like it's like. Uh, <laughs> that comes up a lot through. <laughs> it is. Road to Hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. I just, you know, they could have done anything else instead of. Um, because in the book, he doesn't even reveal that he's a vampire. They just go about their evening. It it changes the context of yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. But, alas. Yeah. Like there's some good things that they really do and I really appreciate that they bring in prejudice to the forefront. But Absolutely. And especially they... in something that was filmed in two thousand and eight, we keep yeah. saying that this was very ahead of its time. Yeah. And it's and I, I appreciate that they're bringing like this whole analogy for racism, but it's yeah, it's when it's experiences like this where I'm like, that's not how it works out. <laughs> and we all know that. Mm-hmm. And please don't put a white man there instead. <laughs> no, please, please don't use a white couple. Yeah. Like, it's not. Unless it's it was not... like a David Berkowitz situation, <laughs> then it's okay. Then it's okay. Because he killed white couples. But uh, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> so, and I, I, I completely agree with yeah. you. There's not there's not much in here that we will, being, being two very similar people, I don't think there's much in here. <laughs> we that disagree we will about <laughs> Maybe our choice in characters, but that's it. Yeah, that's about it. But um, to um, lighten the mood. <laughs> so we, we we finally find out what Sam's been up to and it's not been murdering his waitresses. No. He shows up at Dawn's place. Let's himself in because he's a key because he has a lot. He's the landlord and he's mm-hmm. uh, looking around her bedroom and he starts, what song is playing? Because I just. I don't know. I can't remember. I get oh. too creeped out by the fact he's sitting there rolling around in the sheets. <laughs> he's rolling around he, like, smelling he, like, her bed. Yeah, he brings the sheets up to his nose and he yeah. has the biggest whiff. And then he just, like, <laughs> turns himself into a pretzel. Yeah. Um, he's doing sketchy shit. What? I don't understand. I, it's it's, it's I sketchy. It. It's sketchy and it's disrespectful. Uh, and I won't have any of it. No. It's weird as fuck. It will get explained later, we promise, but it's weird yeah. as fuck now. <laughs> It's just like, and um, then that's hello, and then that's where we leave the episode. Sam is being sketchy as fucking the bed of his dead waitress, and this is the first episode where we don't leave Suki somewhere in danger. For the- I mean, we kind of did, but <laughs> I feel like I mean, like Bill, her face, she wasn't yeah, her face. She doesn't, she doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 ending with Sam being sketchy. Yeah. Um. So what did you reckon? I really like this because this is where it's starting to pick up again. You know, like Jason's realizing, hey. I'm definitely not the person doing this. Sookie's now in on it, being like, well, now I've got to help my brother. And um, Tara's character's developing nicely. I really like that she's so incredibly smart and strong and she's faced all this adversity and it kind of does tell you why she is the way that she is. Like a lot of people who suffer trauma are hard asses. They do say inappropriate things. They do inappropriate. Um. A lot of people do develop very uh, insecure attachments with people or uh, super secured attachments. And so you kind of see how Tara's dealing with her own trauma. And it's it's 
understandable. I like that, like, with the development of her, like, reading all of this law and, like, knowing what priapism is and, like, knowing the, the treatment for, for medical stuff, I like that it's actually giving her some agency as opposed to just being Suki's friend. Yeah. The background black character, like this. It's actually bringing her the to the bartender. Yeah, yeah, the bartender. It's giving her this agency and this real interesting character because mm. you're like cool how do you how do you know all this about law like i don't think it ever comes up again no she's unfortunately. just she just says she likes to read and i was yeah, like that's and, really cool yeah it's it's good to see that like they make they're turning into a well-read character as opposed to a stereotype yeah exactly and i, I think she's she continues to be that very incredibly intelligent person in Suki's circle of friends yes. she again the road to hell is paved with the good intentions but like she has these moments where she's very, very street smart and she's very, very book smart and yeah. she's, like, trying to protect Suki. But, but, like, she's doing it from this logical standpoint. She's like, well, vampires are, you know, murderers. Like, you shouldn't they be as people. open. Yeah. Um, Which is and, pretty freaking logical when you think yeah, about like it. Yeah, like, she she raises some good, uh, she raises some good, um, some good points. I like that this episode just didn't feel like filler. Yeah, finally. <laughs> and it didn't feel poorly made like the last episode did yeah. like even with episode two which was the first taste um it didn't like if, while that was a filler episode it didn't feel poorly made episode three mine was it a just waste felt, of time <laughs> yeah it felt like a waste of an episode yeah like yes we were exploring the sexualities of the characters and what it all means but it didn't feel well put together well put together it didn't feel cohesive yeah this did. um even yeah. though, like, we do jump from place to place to place to place and we're back in and out of different characters' points still of that night. It sort of night. strings that, yeah, it still, still strings that string it's across. A proper, like, it's a proper timeline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it didn't feel like it was disjointed like the other episode did. Exactly. Where it was just like, what? what? What's happening Why? Here? Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> why am I here? But, uh, yeah, and Suki's even... I like as much as I love this show, Suki's probably my tenth favorite character. It gives me very Orange is the New Black vibes. <laughs> <laughs> like I hate the main character in Orange is the New yeah, Black. Me I too. Like everybody else around around like them. Red is probably my favorite character in Orange Absolutely. is the New Black. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that was Escape from Dragon House. Um Interesting. I this again, this would have been the episode that like if I was invested, this would have been the episode that kept me hooked because yeah. the last two episodes kind of fell flat. This was like, okay, cool. I've You've now been introduced. <laughs> yeah. I've now been introduced to two really interesting vampire characters. Oh, We've got some actual comedy gold in this. <laughs> now that Maxine is. Now that Maxine's in here, but like <laughs> the whole the whole hospital scene, there's like yeah. just there's new characters coming out and they're like developing the, the community a bit. And I really like that. Yeah, I, I like that too. It shows the um the show's propensity to be able to be incredibly serious, mm. incredibly sad, and incredibly funny. All wrapped up in one very pulpy, campy TV show. Oh, I love it. I can't That's wait for so Lafayette cool. to be in the show more. I know. <laughs> I know. I can't wait till next week's episode as well, because uh, next yes. week's episode is going to be really good. Yeah. This is where it really takes off, and we meet, um, not meet, but we get to know the vampires yeah we get to we get to know the vampires better and like what they're willing to do and all this kind of stuff and i'm I'm just really looking forward to it yeah me too i'm gonna actually watch it tonight and take some notes so (laughs) i'm gonna be super prepared just you wait (laughs) 
fucking pre-research. So, yeah, no worries. Well, we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. Adios. Bye-bye.